welcome to the Shoot This Now podcast. My name is Tim Malloy, and mm. returning from his long sojourn... It's me, Matt Donnelly. I'm back. Matt Donnelly, what do we do every week on the Shoot This Now podcast? Well, every week, except for the past two weeks, you sure. and I talk about ideas we think should be turned into film or television, Tim. Absolutely. Stories that we think should be on screen. <laughs> and why haven't we been doing it for the last two weeks? I ha- was uh, taken away on Eastern Promises. Um, I, I visited Central Europe for mm-hmm. a film festival mm-hmm. in Karlove Vary, wow. which is a spa town outside of Prague in the Czech Republic. I had never been, so I spent a couple of days there, which is this amazing place sort of stuck in the 1800s with its medieval architecture, but then also stuck in the 80s with its Eastern Bloc geometric architecture <laughs> with tourism all around the world and lots of like tiny cars and people smoking inside and it was just this beautiful I saw a bunch of the movies that played Can um, so I was away I had a beautiful time just and now I'm back ju- let me just say what everyone's thinking that sounds like a really fake story. It, do, it does. I was actually having plastic surgery. Okay. All right. Um, Thank you. T- what I'm calling a root canal. Oh, good. Um, and I look 10 years younger. Don't you agree? Do you know what my Uncle Tom told me? His name is Tom and he's my uncle. I'm not trying to. Um, what he told me. That sounds fake, too. His, my Uncle Thomas, who is a man named Thomas, who is my uncle, told me about plastic surgery. I don't know what he was trying to tell me, like okay. he was suggesting I should This I'd is get fascinating. Them. What did he, he so he, he 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 helped you arrive at the conclusion that people do this. He said if you ever get a hair transplant, grow a mustache and then right before you unveil the hair transplant to the world, shave the mustache and people will say, "Hmm, there's something different about your face." That and is you'll just say, genius. "I shave my mustache." It works wait, for anything. Wait, that is literally Incredible. It's an amazing metaphor for like anything. Wow. Just That's, shave the mustache. That is fantastic. Distract from the plugs. That's fantastic. It's kind of like Nora Ephron wrote an essay once about how hair dye completely changed society. I I love it. Like how the women being able to hide their grays gave women twenty more years of lease on life. Good. Essentially is what she wrote. Um, I think it's in the it's in the book I remember nothing. So look it up. Um, well, now that everyone knows the hair, the hair plug yeah. trick. We F- plugged the hair plug. Finally, men can uh, yes. also get those advantages. Men will have their day. <laughs> <laughs> um, today, we're talking about a man who got his day but had to fight hard for it. Absolutely. This is someone I had never heard of until our amazing guest, Andrea Chalupa, told me about him. Um, Andrea Chalupa co-hosts an excellent podcast called Gaslit Nation. She's going to explain what it's all about during the interview that will follow this. Um, but she told us she wanted to tell the story today of Ira Aldridge, a man who definitely deserves a movie. Matt, you have been to the Shakespeare Memorial Theater at Stratford-upon-Avon. I have. And there are 33 actors honored outside with bronze plaques. There are. One of those bronze plaques. Only one. Belongs to an African-American man. Yes, which is. Ira Aldridge. Hey, now. The subject of our story today. Um, he is a man who was born in New York in the 1800s, early 1800s, when slavery is still very much a curse on America. Um, <laughs> he leaves in order to pursue a career as an actor, um, finds great love from audiences overseas, but some of the London critics are not too fond of him because he's shaking things up too much. So then he goes on kind of a European tour and finds a lot more fans in Russia, eventually become the highest paid actor in the world. Um, travels to Ukraine where he starts this amazing bromance and this amazing professional 
relationship with Taras Shevchenko, who is Ukraine's national poet. You just nailed that pronunciation. It took a lot of practice. I'm guessing. And Andrea was very good about, was very patient with my pronunciation of some Ukrainian words. She's oh. of Ukrainian background herself and knows, has the research and the background and all this down cold. Um, so Ira Aldridge, what he is, despite the year that he's born, he is not actually a descendant of slaves necessarily. Um, his father was a reverend. I don't know the situation on his mother's side. Mm. Um, he is what was then called a freedman or a child of freedmen. Wow. Um, but he, of course, came from a slave culture. Um, Taras Shevchenko, in many ways, did too because he was a serf, uh, a, someone who had to work for a feudal lord in Russia and was able to buy his freedom. Wow. And it's a very cool story. That's uh, beautiful. Which we'll let Andrea explain. excited to have you on the podcast because we love your new podcast, Gaslit Nation. Can you kind of explain what Gaslit Nation is? Yeah. So Gaslit Nation, <laughs> this is kind of funny. So it's a, it's a podcast that Sarah Kenzie and I started to uh, provide a space for people to get through 2018 and really stay engaged. Because I think all of us feel very beaten up by uh, the news cycle. Absolutely. And I, yeah, and I think a lot of people are feeling very, very, you know, uh, hopeless and helpless. And we just can't afford to feel that way <laughs> like at all. And um, we're very much in the fight of our lives. And so the podcast Gaslit Nation for Day Magazine is uh, a way for people to stay engaged and really uh, be reassured that they're not crazy, that this, that this is actually authoritarianism, you know, taking root in America. And it's been a long time. It's been a long time coming. A lot of um, seeds are finally sprouting for the far right in America, the religious right. And um, so we really uh, delve into all of that on the show. And your family history, you have you have roots in the Ukraine, which is kind Ukraine, of Ukraine. You've got to say you've got to drop the the. Oh, in <laughs> yeah. Ukraine. Language matters. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, even Obama has said the Ukraine, but um, no, it's 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 the reason why it's so important for Ukrainians is be and and the reason why this whole shift is happening um, is because um, we're dropping the then and it's been you know decades in the making because um, uh, post USSR, uh, it's been really important for Ukraine to really break out of Russia's orbit, and, and as we know, that's sort of like at the center of all this because Putin really wants to keep Ukraine in Russia's orbit. And, um, and and dropping the the really sort of breaks away and just sort of reminds the world that Ukraine is not a region of Russia, because normally you say the before regions. Um, and so Ukraine is a country. It's not a region of, of, a, of any other country. Oh, God, I love that. And it also leads in so well to what we're going to talk about today, the importance of language. Um, yes. When we, when we invited you on, we figured this will be cool. We'll talk about Ukraine and we'll talk about Russia and we'll talk about what's happening in America. You know, we obviously look for stories that should be made into movies, and I sort of thought you would go in the direction of Ukraine, Soviet Union, Animal Farm, because you've written a wonderful book about Animal Farm and George Orwell and Ukraine refugees, and you took us in a totally different direction than I was expecting. Um, can you tell me about the story that you think should be made into a movie? Yeah. So first of all, I want to say I love your podcast. I love this, um, you know, the, the fact that you do this, because for me... I, I, what will always bring me out to, to the cinema are um, historical films. I absolutely yeah. love movies about history. And I don't know if you know this, but I just finished um, writing and producing a script based on a true story. And yes. 
and and that and that that's going to come out in 2019 and it's with Agnieszka Holland who's one of like the greatest filmmakers of all time who I'm madly obsessed with even after working with her for months um and um and it's and one one of the great challenges of the screenplay and this is sort of like for, for your audience to know and 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 for our, our larger conversation today is that you know at, real life is always so much more interesting than what can be shown on the screen and this, so this, this script that I did with Agnieszka took me years and years to write because I had such a hard time leaving stuff out because all of it was just so mind blowing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely true that the truth is always stranger than fiction. And we're seeing that now today with the Trump Russia scandal, that's, it's playing out like this really terrible, uh, spy thriller that like, no, <laughs> it, you know, that, like, that no TV executive or any, any film executive or ever allowed to be filmed because it's so unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and because that's because the truth is always stranger. Um, so, so, but I love your show because it allows like a venue to, to talk about these incredible stories that are deserving of wider audiences and are deserving that, of that beautiful cinematic treatment. So, so they can, they can really inspire people with these unbelievable lives that are, and, and so I, that's what I am thrilled about this opportunity to tell you about one of these remarkable unsung heroes. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big history nerd. And, you know, Matt and I love talking about this stuff. And it's kind of an excuse for us to talk about just historical figures we really like. So yeah, this is this is this podcast is our way of sort of Trojan horsing um, great stories into something that's hopefully entertaining. Yeah, which, <laughs> which takes us to, I mean, Matt has described this as sort of Shakespeare in love with racial overtones. Yeah, I would say so. I would I would also add another layer of it being a bromance um, <laughs> but, but between a great Ukrainian poet, Taras Shevchenko, who's the Walt Whitman of Ukraine, and Ira Aldridge, the great African-American um, Shakespearean actor who really broke the racial uh, color line in theater, um, is, 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 you know, especially in Europe, and became uh, the highest paid actor in the world. Um, he was hugely celebrated, especially in Eastern Europe, uh, in Ukraine, in Poland, in Russia, it was like Beatlemania when he was over in, in Russia, and um, and and his his life is remarkable. He was born in the early 1800s in in um, in uh, in America in, in the North in New York, in, I think, right? Yeah, I grew up in New York City, which was still you know um, under you know segregated. He was he was slavery was obviously um, still. Still uh, there as as you know, still as this horrible original sin of, of our country, and so even in even in New York, you know, he was still obviously fighting systemic racism and seen as like sort of less human, um, and so he was always sort of battling those uh, demons in America. Um, but what what I really love about this story is that he found himself, and he found uh, he was able to transcend through art through Shakespeare. And what I really love about his, that is, is he didn't have to be, uh, he didn't have to prove anything. Like he could just be a human and live in like the many gray areas and the complexities and the messiness of being human, um, through Shakespeare, you know, and he, and then, and he found his humanity that way through, through, through Shakespeare's imagination. And, and I just love that so much. And he was seen as a human being when he was on the stage for the most part. That's yeah. The thing I most love about the story is this is happening during slavery in the United States, but also I didn't realize that slavery still existed in the UK when this happened. Um, I sort of think of England having a better record than the US on slavery, but uh, 
I, I did not realize slavery was still going strong at the beginning part of the 19th century, um, horribly. And while there's this debate going on about slavery, he's taking the stage and performing Shakespeare, just an open defiance of all of the prejudices and all the bigotry that existed. Absolutely. And, you know, of course, in London, like he was, the, the, like you pointed out, like it, it, when, when he just finally got to London and was really, um, you know, on stage there, like slavery had just been abolished, but you still, but it doesn't change overnight, clearly. It's still not even changing in, in the UK today with like the race, massively racist uh, drive for the Brexit vote. And of course, um, you know, the deplorable racists that got Trump in office. So um, the scars aren't healed from racism yet in the UK and, and the US, as we've seen in recent elections. But yeah. uh, so Ira Aldridge was, of course, um, you know, he was beloved by, he had massive fans, he had worshipers, but the critics, of course, just were appalled by him being on uh, the, the stages in London, in the theaters in London. And, and that was, so he was still battling that. But yeah, I've, I've been reading a lot about him in preparation for this conversation, but I feel like, even giddier, like I couldn't possibly do him justice. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I feel like just because there's just so much out there on him, but yet he hasn't really broken through into the popular imagination. And I could just see a film about him, um, which would be very difficult to cast because part of like his attraction, the reason why he just appealed to so many people was because he had this like phenomenal energy, like people that uh, met him, his fans that like left behind. Um, Letters and memoirs, you know, where they where they mentioned seeing him that that experience. It we really got like this rush of Beatlemania from descriptions yeah. of, of experience and an Ira Eldridge performance. Uh, people called him divine. Um, they were like, you know, they would just see his shows and shows over and over again, like following him like the Grateful Dead. Um, and he wouldn't like he, he was awarded all these awards and other things, but um, at the same time, um, it was having a very hard time cracking the establishment of West End um, yeah. at the same. Yeah. So you sent me this wonderful article from the New York Times in 2014, the headlines channeling a breaker of barriers by Rosalind Solsas. I hope I'm saying that mm -hmm. right. S-U-L-C-A-S. Um, mm -hmm. And it says that he was incredibly popular with the audience, but critics just panned him when he debuted in Othello and the theater, I believe, shut down. The production. Um, so what the audience wanted and what the sort of powers that be wanted were obviously very different. Um, but what what happened from there? He went on to a great career after this. Well, he was. In, so Ira Aldridge was embraced by Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. And I relate to that so much of having just been embedded with the Polish resistance on the film I just made for months shooting across Eastern Europe. Um, there's something so big heartedness and ridiculous, uh, like our, like somebody on our crew said, you know, you, you could only make your movie, uh, in Poland because mm. we're crazy, we're crazy enough to do it. <laughs> and there, there is just so something just wonderful and open and free spirited and, um, about Eastern Europeans yeah. that, that you're simply not going to find in like the sort of repressed tight lipped, uh, society of, of London, especially at this time. Yeah. And um, so he, they loved him there. They opened his arms up fully to him. And um, especially in St. Petersburg, where he was um, adopted by the Tolstoy family, the illustrious Tolstoy family um, that gave us, of course, Leo Tol Tolstoy. Um, and he was he was always, you know, at parties there and you know performing Shakespeare in the living room. And, and they 
took such good care of him and he became, you know, through the, the Russian artistic community in St. Petersburg, he became the highest paid actor in the world. Um, they, wow. yeah, they, oh, absolutely. And, and what was really cool about this is, you know, uh, this is also a beautiful story of uniting Russians and Ukrainians in a, in, in a beautiful way, because, you know, we speak in this shorthand about the conflict in Ukraine, Russia's ongoing invasion of Ukraine, uh, you know, Russia, hacking Ukraine and treating it like a laboratory for what it did to us in 2016, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's really speaking in a shorthand with, but, but really, you know, we're, we're talking about governments. It's, it's the Kremlin, it's, it's Putin, this, the, you know, this mafia King that's holding the Russian people hostage with his autocracy, yeah. but the Russian people have been some, you know, some of the most forceful supporters of, of Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, you know, obviously like they're very, they're, they're a mixed group of people clearly. And, and this story really uh, represents that. Cause what you have here is, um, the movie that I would love to see made by somebody, anybody, as long as it's beautiful and 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 does does the story justice, uh, and gets the casting right because that's so important with these two. Um, mm-hmm. The story that that unites this, uh, that tells. I would love to see a film that tells this spiritual romance between Tarashevchenko, the Walt Whitman of Ukraine, and Ira Aldridge, uh, the the first significant African American actor to break the color barrier on the Shakespearean stage. Mm-hmm. And and how those two came together is just so lovely. So you had um, these Russians in St. Petersburg, this community of artists that fell in love with the poetry, the work of Tarashevchenko and bought his freedom. He was a serf under the czar. Wow. Yep, they bought his freedom. And um, it took them some time, but they managed to do it. And they brought him to St. Petersburg where he could be a free man and live like a free artist. And they they helped him go to school and, and, and do classes to work on his art. And it was through his uh, friends in St. Petersburg that he discovered Ira Aldrich when he came to perform in Othello. And Tarashevchenko was like hanging out of the balcony, like making like a riot, was overcome with emotion, having a spiritual experience on stage, which, you know, we've all had at concerts <laughs> at some point in our life if we're lucky. And, um, and, and, that's, and that was like love at first sight. And they were just attached at the hip. And at all the parties and this whole, you know, bohemian social scene in artistic, rather uh, intellectual social scenes in St. Petersburg in, in the ni- mid 19th century, these two were uh, inseparable. Uh, and they would, they and they barely spoke the same language. If, you know, Shevchenko spoke Ukrainian, and our Alders spoke English. And um, one of the daughters in the Tolstoy family, this young 15-year-old girl, Catherine followed them around as their interpreter. So it's also an incredible role for a young 15-year-old or so actress, oh you know, God. to really be, yeah, to really be the center of this of this world and really sort of bridge these two different cultures and, and chase after these two rascals. And um, and they, they, they used to, these two artists, these two great artists used to spend like hours together locked up in, in, in Shevchenko's um, workshop where Shevchenko would like, paint portraits of him. Uh, Ira Aldridge would get so bored posing for a portrait that he would just start breaking out in song and sing some beautiful spiritual. And then Shevchenko would become distracted and overcome with emotion and then sing a Ukrainian folk song that was like very moody and dark like a spiritual. And they were able to like communicate through their expressive faces and their songs oh and their, about, about their shared people's, um, about their people's shared history of um, their, they were able to communicate through song and their expressive faces, their people's shared history of surviving, living through slavery. So you have a child of slaves who leaves the United States in order to find a better life in Europe and eventually Eastern Europe. 
And then you have someone who is literally a serf himself finding each other, barely able to communicate, but being able to communicate through their art. That's just, that's an incredible story. It's about, absolutely, it's about the transcendent power of art. You know, I, people like to think, you know, why does art matter ultimately? Like, what, what can art do against nuclear weapons and, uh, you know, state government hacking? <laughs> but um, the reality is that, that art is, can sustain us. And for Ira Aldridge, it gave him an escape, an all-entirely new identity, a way to become human again on his own terms. A way to be seen as human and on his own terms. So people met him in his power. How do you how do you see this structured? Because there's so much story here. There's so much amazing detail. I mean, is it is it Ira's story and then Tadashenko? Am I saying that Tadashenko? Uh, Tadashenko. Yeah. Yeah. So if I were to, so like, let's say you're a film executive and I'm in your office and I want to get this, I want to get this made because it's so beautiful and it's so timely for right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and this and this is somebody that more Ira Aldridge is someone that more people have to know about because just the life he lived was so incredible and the spirit he left behind and all the lives that he touched. You know that Ira Aldridge introduced uh, Shakespeare to the Ukrainian people. Incredible. Yes. OK, so I'm getting ahead of myself, as I tend to do in pitch meetings. All right. So, <laughs> so, so Ira Aldridge, you know, born in slavery, United States, but he's 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 one of the lucky ones. He's born in New York City. Um, but he still faces discrimination. He has to take in, you know, as a young boy, he goes to theater, but he's sitting in the colored section. And it's through watching, you know, these early, these Shakespeare plays early in his life that he's just completely like transfixed on the language, on the beauty of the poetry. And, and that's how his imagination as a young man develops, where he can be more than how society sees him. He's, he's not confined to any, to this color of his skin or to anything. Yeah. And so he studies Shakespeare and he loses himself in Shakespeare. And as he's, you know, traveling America as a, as a, as a young teenager, he almost gets sold into slavery in the South. He almost gets kidnapped and oh shipped down South. And he manages to escape that. And then, and then he, he, an opportunity presents itself where he could be a valet in, in London working in a theater uh, for actors in, in a London theater. And he takes it. And it's, and it's through those contacts that he finally was able to work his way on stage. People, you know, actors are beautiful human beings and they're true artists and, and good, good ones are. And they, and they see past the color of his skin and they see his spirit. And so they give him the opportunity to be on stage and he's on stage and he absolutely wows audiences. But then the critics come after him because this is just all too shocking and all too soon. The UK right. had just outlawed slavery and so he's then forced to tour the countryside with like a, a band of Irish actors and, the, and he, the people just go nuts for him. Like he's drawing crowds, like he's the real thing. Yeah. Um, and an opportunity arises where he's invited to Russia and, and that's St. Petersburg, which is the cultural center of the Russian empire at the time. And he's performing there on stage and there's this loud ruckus in one of the balconies and there's this crazy, there's this crazy guy that's just screaming his head off, like over, like having like a, like a spiritual orgasm in the balcony, and <laughs> annoying the hell out of everyone. And this is the great Ukrainian poet Tarashevchenko, the Walt Whitman of Ukraine, um, yeah. who himself, who himself was born into slavery, born as a serf yeah. in Ukraine, and tortured, and imprisoned, and um, surveyed and beaten up by the police. And so the two of them meet after the performance. 
And it's just love at first sight. Like, like Shevchenko's like kissing his hand, not letting him go, just throwing himself all over him, being like very wonderfully European, Eastern European, like overly emotional. And, <laughs> and, and Ira Aldridge just loves it because he's got such a huge spirit and, and their two spirits are melding and combining and the friends become inseparable. And this poor uh, 15-year-old uh, 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 Countess Tolstoy, or not the Countess, but the daughter of the, in the Tolstoy family has to chase after them and, and keep these two rascals in line. And it's and so there, it's the story of like their friendship and how it develops without without any language, but just their own power of personality and art and how um, they exchange the stories of, of their respective enslaved people through spirituals that they sing, Ukrainian spirituals, um, Negro spirituals. And 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 it's really about the power of like friendship and the friendship that sustain, sustains us when the rest of the world hates us and sees us as less human and that our rights don't exist. And that's really what we all need to be reminded of now because times are very, very dark and this is a story of hope and this is a story of progress and this is a story that that art does matter and art can transform lives. And for all the obstacles they've gone through just to meet each other, the third act of this, they obviously have to band together and overcome some last incredible obstacle to be determined. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would say, you know... I would say that there's a separation and that they're going to come back. You know, they're going to come. He's, you know, Aldrich is going off on tour. It's their last goodbye. Mm-hmm. Um, and they think they're going to see each other again. But while he's away, Tarashchenko, you know, having lived such a hard life, being in prison for many years, being a serf for decades in Ukraine, um, he dies, uh, oh. a, a young man. And Ira Aldrich comes back, learns of his death and, you know, gives up some huge opportunity you know, um, elsewhere to go into Ukraine and tour Ukraine and introduce uh, Shakespeare to the Ukrainian people. Wow. And there, you know, and and there he sees the conditions of, you know, the effects of what sla- you know, slavery has done on the Ukrainian people. And he sees that, you know, he's reminded of the universal struggle for freedom and that helps sustain him and keep going in, in his life. So. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. I mean, just people. Right? Let's get it, mate. <laughs> just the, uh, the idea of people being able to see each other struggle and raising all boats i mean just this this notion that everybody is in this together and it isn't crabs in a barrel with well that's your problem over there and this is my problem over here and my problem is worse than yours it's no one is free until everybody is bounding together and i mean i hate to be so corny about it but it's it's breaking all these chains and that they can see each other's humanity through their art and that they can see each other's struggle i think is a really beautiful story and i i'd really like to see this i mean the criteria I think about is like, what movie do I actually want to go sit on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday afternoon and watch and get totally lost in? And I would be so lost in this movie because it's a it's a world I really don't know. It's really two worlds I don't know. These two cultures coming together in a way I didn't think had ever happened in history. Absolutely, and it, and it's it's I, I love so I love everything you just said because you know it's it's like. It's a story of how visibility matters, yeah. empathy matters, and you know, injustice anywhere, you know, is injustice everywhere. It'll come to us eventually. Yeah. Uh, we've we've seen that with the refugee crisis. Like that for so long was a problem that was just over there, and now it's like you know the refugee crisis. The refugees are coming to our community, and that's really shaping election discussions. And 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 like the fake news of the bright bar, the far right has been really. Uh, exploiting their pain and 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 really um, 
trying to vilify innocent people who who deserve to say you and I just I just bring that up because I remember for so long following Syria and yeah. Americans did not follow Syria until uh, little refugee boys and girls were washing up on the shores of Greece and yeah. finally uh, finally all Americans were like I felt like they're finally paying attention to like the, the, the Syrian civil war and so that's just one I, I one example that just popped in my head when I was listening to you talk just now, yeah. um, but but is this is this reality that like we we there's so much pain in the world and we don't have to go through it alone. We don't we can we can share it together and 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 help each other heal together. I really truly believe that, and that's why um, I love these stories of people from like seemingly different cultures uh, finding solidarity in each other and like propping each other up to get through this and and, and strengthening each other. Yeah, it's. God, and I just love the idea also of a movie bringing this message across to people because it will be really entertaining. I mean, it'll have good musical numbers. It'll have, it'll have <laughs> Shakespeare. It'll have everything. Yeah, and yeah. It'll have I re- hilarious stunt casting opportunities that will keep people in the seats. Like someone gets to play Leo Tolstoy, I assume. Um, you get to have all these different, you know, comical Irish actors who will have good, good fun cameos. Oh, there were fights b- backstage. Like it was, you know, actors are a lot of fun, and so this was this would be especially like a traveling troupe in like the, you know, the um, th- this in the, in the UK and in Russia and Poland and Ukraine. Like it would be ridiculous. So and and Ira Aldridge, importantly, like he most importantly, he brought us the living Shakespeare. That's how people wrote about him. Like he showed the living Shakespeare, and. You, you could really do some interesting things in terms of um, making Shakespeare like feeling it. Like, like yeah. I, that's why the casting is so important, and that that's yeah. you, you need you need someone with that like childish, uh, that childlike, innocent, pure soul like twinkle in their eye, yeah. and that that gregarious spirit, and that just larger than life personality that just. Like, wraps the audience up in a warm embrace. And that, that's why the casting would really ha- need to take as long as it needs to take for both Ira Aldridge and Tadashi Shevchenko because they both had that. Um, the, the young 15-year-old Tolstoy, Tolstoy girl who had to follow them around uh, yeah. being their translator, she said that, you know, they both were pure souls. They both yeah. had express. They both had expressive faces. They're, you know, people. You know, as serious and dark as Shakespeare is. You know, he, he was like uh, Aldridge was playing King Lear, and and you know all of it. He wasn't just limited to Othello because because he was black. He he was like he was a superstar Shakespearean actor, um, and so. And at some points, he would put on makeup to play white characters. Right. Right. Which and, I love. Yeah, and so the visuals here, all of it, like the, the, like how beautifully layered this would be, like textually, how rich it would be as as a as a cinematic experience would just be extraordinary. Uh, so if someone has to make this film. Do you have any thoughts on who could play these two two lead characters? It's it's incredibly difficult. I would want to see like, well, I love Jeffrey Wright. I'm a huge fan of his, and mm-hmm. so I think you would need someone like that. I think Jeffrey Wright, after having being like, you know. Um, I don't, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I'm so used to him like lately on Westworld. So I yeah. see him as very kind of dark and serious and, and a bit heavy, like a heavy energy, but you really need somebody like, you know, with, um, I believe that true geniuses have like a childish streak to them. You know, they've that, the, that photo of Einstein sticking his, his, uh, tongue out. So you, you need, you would need like Jeffrey Wright, like somebody of that caliber, but like really with that, 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 that warm, uh, embrace of life, you know, that warm, like sort of, uh, that, uh, that the wonder. 
Yeah, exactly. The wonder, the curiosity, like the beautiful soul that just sort of like wraps everyone in a warm embrace. Like that was his energy. And that's what people were really responding to. And that's what I believe sustained him to go on this remarkable journey to really put his life on the line to, to become who he really felt he needed to become. Yeah, I feel like Donald Glover has that too. Um, just sort of the, I don't know, just the sort of sense of there are no rules here. I'm going to make my own rules. We don't have to follow the the track that you're expecting me to follow. I'm going to take things in a crazy direction. Um, and I don't know why I kept looking at the pictures of him. I kept picturing Sterling K. Brown um, because I just really like him as an actor and feel like he has such incredible range and such great ability to do very different characters and is just so his humanity just comes through so strongly. Like his emotions just come through so strongly in everything he does. So that's, those are, those are who came into my mind. Um, yeah, those would be both really great. I mean, it has to be someone that just doesn't take it, the role too seriously and feels that he has to be like a serious actor, you know, to play Ira Aldridge, yeah. you know? So yeah. And that would be important. Um, I, I want to say, because so Sarah Kenzier, I want to talk about like how important this film is right now, just in terms of friendship and art. So Sarah Kenzier, you know, is someone that I met through uh, the 2016 election. We were both um, trying desperately to warn people about Trump and Russia and, and largely being dismissed and laughed at. Yeah. And so the two of us really clung together to get through that that difficult time. And we were on the phone constantly, and we still are. And that's why we, we launched a podcast, uh, Gaslit Nation for Day Magazine, because uh, we were podcasting on the phone, <laughs> just the two of us all the time. And we felt like, you know, the points we were making, uh, what we were, you know, learning from each other, we wanted to share it with a wider audience. Because, you know, if it was sustaining us, if it was helping us get through this uh, horror show, this this news cycle poisoning yeah. of the Trump regime. Imagine what it could help do for other people. We wanted to sort of broaden our circle and bring everybody in to help help you know sustain each other through because that's that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, you just had a you just had an activist here in Park Slope in in, in Brooklyn uh, yeah. set himself on fire in Park Slope Park. Oof. You know, and it's like it's like he, and he was protesting the environmental apocalypse that we're about to be hit with in a very big way. You know, the, the weather becoming more extreme, the hurricanes like, you know, the weather's like practically trying to kill us because, yeah. of, because of what we're doing in this planet. And yeah. um, so so I, I think a huge part, a significant part is is the war is in the mind. And, you, and you know, it, we're at a point now where it's like, as Americans, it's like getting out of bed every morning is like an act of resistance. Mm -hmm. And so you really need the friendships around you. Um, you really need these people that speak your language, that sustain your soul, that feed your soul. And those are so essentially important. Those are so essential right now more than ever. And that's what's going to help get us through this. Because it's, 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 we're never going to go back to normal. There's never going to be a finish line we cross and then this is all over. Um, it's, it's like, we're, we're dealing with a lot of crises that are hitting us at the exact same time that we need to finally confront and clean up and fix. And yeah. so that's why the relationships all around us that, that are, are the communities, that's it now. That's the secret weapon we have against, uh, the prison that the, these authoritarian governments are trying to put us in. Um, and so that's what makes this, the Ira Aldridge and Tadashishenko's story so beautiful is because both men, both great artists escaped prisons yeah. That tried to treat that treated them as less than human, and they were able to rise above it all 
through their art and through through the power of their spirits and and find each other and and that sustain them for the rest of their journeys and we need to watch a film about that because it's a, it's such a model of of um, community and relationships and which are the real source of happiness and especially right now yeah you need your friendships you need art you need what you and Sarah have and what you're sharing through Gaslit Nation just the reassurance that no 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 it's not you you're not crazy you're right the world around you has gone a little crazy and you're going to sustain yourself through these things that you believe in and get strength from. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I have this telephony story about like the power of art itself and, and how I, I hate when people sort of dismiss that. I know um, Melissa Gilbert, the writer who I, I really love um, mm. in, in her recent book, she sort of dismissed that art could really make a difference in the world. And I, I a friend of mine who's African-American and she's a writer, she's an artist yeah. She was really, she was really appalled by that because, you know, for her, she's, she's dedicated her, like she came from nothing. Like no, no, like no one gave her any handouts and she's really fought her way in life to make it as a writer, make it as an artist. And for her, just being an African-American woman, uh, visibility matters. So she's helping other young girls, you know, she's promoting black girl magic. And, and it's like, she's really changing um, the fabric, the DNA of uh, the entertainment industry, just by just by having a job for a major TV network, you know, writing yeah. for them. So, so it's like, so she's like, you can't tell me art doesn't matter, art, you know. And so, um, and I and I truly believe that. And I and I think that what what makes Ira Aldridge's story so necessary to tell, especially now, is uh, being born in America, you know, during a time of slavery, where he, he escaped into this imagination of Shakespeare, where he was able to find himself and really demand that the world see him as a human being and all the complexities of that. He didn't have to be like a model citizen in order to demand their respect. He could be a dirty, messy, complex, corrupt, vile human being through, through all the many colors of Shakespeare. And yeah. that, that's what I think was so truly liberating about Ira Aldridge. Yeah. He, could be, he could be King Lear. He could be Othello. He could be any of it. He didn't have to be a hero for the sake to make uh, white people not scared of black people. Like, he could, just, right. he could just be a human being. Right. And so, yes, yes, so yes, art does matter. Can you, just to take us out, can you tell us about the movie that you have coming out next year? Yeah, so this is, um, I, you know, I, I've been working on it for so long, and I have just went through the intensity of the production experience, so I'm still a bit, like, my, my soul's a bit buzzing from that still. I'm still <laughs> processing it all, and I still have a few, like, PTS dreams every now and then from production. Um, but so, yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm not used to talking about it, but... Um, um, so I will say it's, it was already out there. It's been, it's been written about in variety. The, the film is called Gareth Jones mm -hmm. and it's based on the true story of a young Welsh journalist who goes to Moscow looking for a big story and he hears rumors of a, of something happening in Ukraine and he sneaks into Ukraine and discovers that Stalin is deliberately starving millions of his own people. And this is uh, Stalin's genocide against Ukrainians, with which my grandfather lived through and survived and wrote about right before he died. Yeah. Um, and and so this young Welsh reporter comes out, exposes the truth, and um, the, the world, the media, uh, and and leading governments gaslight him. And, oh, the, wow. and and there's this whole like conspiracy to cover up what's happening inside Ukraine because for for a variety of reasons, you know, like. Um, uh, the, the the U.S. 
industry wanted to open up Russia <laughs> and, right. and, and, and bring the U.S. and Russia together. And, and, and you know, so there's all these incentives to work with Stalin. Stalin, And, of course, the rise of Hitler was scaring people. And so we might need the Soviets and, and, and other things. So, so this young Welsh journalist was outnumbered by the media, gov- media and government establishments and was basically, basically snowed under by their lies. Uh, and the story shows how his work lives on in George Orwell's Animal Farm. That's spectacular. Um, and, yeah, and, and 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 so the young journalist, you know, you can see this. I mean, this isn't a spoiler alert, I don't think, and you can tell I'm not really used to talking about this film <laughs> publicly. But um, the but you can see on Wikipedia right now, or anywhere on any of the books, you know, Tim Snyder has written extensively about uh, this young journalist Gareth Jones, and and Applebaum, the Pulitzer Prize winning um, his, uh, historian, has written about Gareth Jones. Um, he was killed. He was killed the day before his 30th birthday. Um, re- research strongly suggest by um, this, the, this men connected to the, to the Soviet secret police. So the long arm of the Kremlin finally got him. And so that's what makes the fact that his reporting survives uh, through Orwell's Animal Farm so, so beautiful. It's, it's ultimately a resurrection story. And Orwell kind of tell, tells the fictional version that is more truthful than the supposed yes. nonfiction version. So what we have in the script anyway, I haven't seen, you know, um, I haven't seen the finished film. I know that it should be done soon, I hear, um, but it's in editing. But so in the script, you have Orwell, the story opens with this sickly writer in London, George Orwell, writing the words of Animal Farm that narrate this young man's journey. So Orwell serves as a Greek chorus. So it takes on this sort of, you know, dark fairy tale quality of Animal Farm, um, you know, setting up what what this young journalist is about to do, what he's about to see and experience, and and, and sort of tells like the whole uh, psycho geopolitical journey that he's undertaking. That you know that goes in defeating the story ultimately of, of it's the, it's basically the behind the scenes making. It's it's like the the world events that that help shaped uh, George Orwell's first uh, masterpiece, Animal Farm. Oh, I love this. It's going to be beautiful. It's it's a stunning, stunning, stunning film. Like I think from all the stills I've seen, the footage I've seen, I'm like, I cannot believe that we produced this. It was, you know, a massive labor of love. We were filming in negative 25 degrees in Ukraine. We were right on the border. We were in North Ukraine. We were right on the border with Russia when like the whole scripple poisoning was going down and there's like oh, huge face off between, you know, the Kremlin and the West. And we were just like with this Polish crew right on the border with Russia, like an hour's drive away or something like that. And, 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 and in our caravan, which is driving like closer and closer towards the war as we we're filming in Ukraine in like negative 25 degrees Celsius, like the, the heaviest snowfall Ukraine has ever seen. Like I'm amazed that like we survived. <laughs> uh, well, I know people are going to want to go see that next year. Gareth Jones, um, keep an eye out for it. And thank you so much for joining us. This is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. I just, I learned so much. Oh, I'm so honored. I mean, I can keep going. <laughs> you know, I can, you've, you've heard Gaslit Nation. You know, I can keep going. <laughs> well, people also need to check that out. Um, your co-host, Sarah, was on my friend. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to use his name because he goes by LOLGOP, but was on his podcast um, this past week. And it was just, I, I just realized like everyone needs to be listening to Gaslit Nation. This is so this is going to open so many doors of thought for so many people and reassure and how, so many people. And how crazy is the timing also? Like we, I was just thinking that people are going to start thinking that Sarah and I are like deep state. 
I shouldn't <laughs> say that because because we have like stalkers. We have like far right stalkers that like like yeah. to like spin the craziest conspiracy theories about us. There's one that like Sarah was like a drug runner for Beyonce in the Midwest. I'm not kidding. I'm not <laughs> kidding. We have stalk with like proper stalkers. And one thing that I think we'll talk about in one of those shows is um, that before Manafort was arrested, like before he was taken in, about you know when when he was first caught in like in in fall 2017, he up until that point, Sarah and I could not talk on the phone without some without hearing weird clicks, Oof. our our calls being constantly interrupted, like her voice naturally slowing down, like weird, you know, sh- like like. Uh, noises that would like shrieking noises like, like beeping shrieks that would just suddenly happen like weird stuff that was happening and um when manafort was finally caught it went away so <laughs> <laughs> so you know i don't know if there's a connection but ever since then our phone calls have been fine and <laughs> and we so for the longest time we kind of got used to this idea of having a podcast that just the two of us because we knew we felt like we were being listened to already right might as well just put <laughs> it all out there exactly right exactly right we're like hey guys we know you're there anyway so sarah what'd you think of this and like <laughs> we just dig into the news but how crazy is it that like we launched the podcast and we go into 2016 and we we go into the dnc hacking by russia and like russia's involvement how manafort being there running trump's campaign is the smoking gun and yeah. then today the DOJ announces that they're arresting like 12 Russian intel officials for hacking the DNC. And I, I'm like, oh God, the, the timing of our first podcast coming out is like great, but also like our, our freaking like far right stalkers and be like, these girls are embedded. <laughs> we're we're not. We're really, exactly. We're really not. We assure you we're not. Like, there's Yeah, we're not anyone's payroll. If anyone would like to like, you know, pay us, we could use it. So trust <laughs> us. We're, we, we're not powerful and all knowing. We're just really desperate to try to like turn this, this uh, ship around. <laughs> mm-hmm. 